Well, we're going to finish up today's sermon this Christmas. And, you know, the, the, uh, we're going to finish up the series today, sorry, this Christmas. And, you know, I, I felt so strongly that this year that we needed to pay more attention to the truth of Christmas than anything. And I, I'll, I'll be straight. Like, I was, I was browsing through Facebook, and I was watching and seeing all the gifts, and everybody's so excited. And I recognized, I, I did, I saw it. A lot of people didn't go all out like they normally do. And I was kind of happy about that. Like, we need to, to tear back that a little bit. You know, people going in an immense amount of debt for Christmas. And I'm not condemning you if you did that. I mean, we, we all do it. I'm just saying we need to tear back a little bit. God doesn't want us in bondage. Jesus paid the ultimate price for us to not be in bondage, for us just to keep walking into it, you know? And so I was just kind of thrilled at that. The whole idea this year, though, is that I want us to put our minds on Jesus because he is the reason that we celebrate this day. And I know that, that our culture has created it into something else, and, and that's okay. I mean... You know, I think it's fun to celebrate and have fun in many different ways. I think it's fun to watch Christmas movies. Although there was this one I watched, uh, never watched that one again. It was bad. Can't talk about it. It was not. It was not nice. It was anyway. And so, just be sure and read about every Christmas movie before you watch it, because some of those are bad. And and but you know, the whole idea is that it's it's fun to do that. But in the middle of it, you can't forget who we are. And who Jesus is. And I, I feel like that that happens so much. I, I, was, I've, I do a lot of deep and critical thinking all the time. All the time. And I've just, the past few days, I've really just been processing how easy it is for us to get swept away in culture. Literally, it doesn't take but a few commercials for us to desire something. It literally doesn't take but a few times for us to see something and us start thinking about it. And people know this. You know, I've done tests here before. I've done subliminal tests. I can pop images up on the screen. You'll never know it. You'll never see it. And it'll just be scratch your nose. 80% of you scratch your nose. Like, I, I know how the brain works. I know how imaging works. And I know how those kind of ideas work. And People above us in, in the media world, they know that too. And so they'll put that. And that's why you ever, if you ever talked about like something and then your phone see it or hear it and then produce it. And like for years, I thought that was stupid. But that's a real deal thing. Like, and, and I've, I've noticed it more at Christmas time. You can talk about anything. You can talk about a, a mini bike and bam, just ads for mini bikes. You can talk about... Um, Mary talks about what she's going to wear for Christmas all the time. So I have all these crazy ads about these star dresses. Like all the time, like when Mary's talking, I put my mic over the my mouth, I mean thumb over the microphone. Stop it. Shh, they're listening. <laughs> and so these people, they figured out, the world has figured out how to manipulate and control us. You, you don't, I mean, this is not one of these weird conspiracy sermons. I'm not doing that. The day's about Jesus, okay? But they have figured out how to do that, and they utilize those tools to trap us in culture. To make us think a certain way or to, to argue with certain thoughts. They've, they've figured it out. They can literally pit us against each other in a snap of a finger. And, and that's disturbing for me because I, and here's the reason why. I wonder how much they've manipulated us away from Jesus. See, over the years, you know, Santa Claus came in 
You know, ever since Coca-Cola and the Bears showed up, Santa Claus has been around. That was supposed to be a joke. I'm not doing good jokes today, you know, so you've got a fake laugh. Let's try it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'm in immense amount of pain, so just laugh all the time, whether it's a joke or not. That way I feel better about myself, okay? Thank you. So Santa Claus comes to town, you know, and we start singing songs about Santa Claus all year. Some of us, we can't wait to hit Magic 96.5 on November the 1st, right? Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, riding down Santa Claus Lane. They play... That crazy Mariah Carey song, every hour, on the hour, every day. Oh, I don't want a life for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. And I don't care about the present. You know, I've been working on my whistle with her. You know, and they just saturate us with this, this stuff. They just try to get us in the mood, right? Everybody. And you, and you, you find yourself like you want to go to Christmas music November 1st because you're trying to get in the spirit of Christmas like really, really quick because of, as adults, it just blows by us, right? My Christmas is already over. I took my vacation last week and um, it's gone. Like now, tomorrow, I got to go back to helping people. And it's... In the middle of that, it's, it's so manipulated into this thought process. Now, I'm showing you something. I'm, I'm taking you on a journey about a man whom we teach our kids to go sit on his lap and tell him what we want. And if we're good, we'll get it. But if we're naughty, we won't. And I want you to see how we've manipulated that into Christ. That if we'll live right, we can ask him for anything that we want. And he'll give it. But if we're bad, then the blessings are turned away from us. We literally have made Jesus Santa Claus. A vending machine in whom we go and ask for everything we want only when we need it and want it. Instead, Jesus is always wanting a personal relationship with us. Jesus is wanting a relationship with us that says, when you're in your highs or in your lows, you still find time to pray. You still time, find time to sing to Him. You don't need a specific season to sing songs to Him. You worship Him day in and day out. And I don't know if you know this or not, but worship is not tied to the latest and greatest Hillsong or Bethel CD. That's kind of, I'm not really a fan of that anyway. Worship, and actually, Jesus' brother James said, pure worship is taking care of widows and orphans and taking care of people. That is how you worship Jesus. It's not about the latest and greatest. We got a good band here. We love worship. We put a lot of effort into the band. It seems like that's the only effort sometimes we ever put into anything is in the band. But it's not about, that's not worship. That is not worship to me. It's good. And it's good to move us. It's good to stir us up. We need to sing songs that says the battle belongs to you. And when I see a struggle, you see an empty tomb. It's good to stir us up like that. It's good to, to sing those wonderful praises that from our heart to his lift him up. 
that your, your name is wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God. But in the process of all that, we're just stirring ourselves up. The Bible clearly tells us pure worship, real worship, is taking care of those who need it. So Jesus isn't, in fact, Santa Claus, and he is not creating a nice or naughty list. There is the book of life, but that is not for those who just keep sinning and struggling and trying to find their way back to Jesus. Those who are found written in the book of life are those who have accepted Jesus as their Savior. They have, a, they have received his sacrifice and resurrection into their life, and their name shall be found written in the book of life. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think your name can be erased out of the book of life. A lot of people might think that, think that Jesus is just some, some evil person up there with an eraser, and he's watching you like a naughty list. Oh, I saw Tracy the other day checking out them other men. I saw Grand Grand. Flipping that pin around. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> well done, thy faithful servant. You are amazing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, I'm leaving that one right there where it's at. You know, God, that's not who God is. God's not up there and, and spending all his time with an eraser and a pen. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 8 and 12 says that he blots out our transgressions and he remembers them no more. Like, it doesn't get more beautiful than that. God is not Santa Claus. He's not forming an audio or nice list. He is not up there ready to stab you with an eraser every single time you mess up. Instead, he sent his son Jesus to come to us, to be amongst us, to die for us, to pay for our sin once and for all. Now, it's up to us. It's up to us to cling to that. Well, pastor... Can you, can you walk away from salvation? Absolutely. Hebrews 3 and 12 absolutely says that their hearts turned from God in their disbelief. And then I start thinking about that. Well, what is it that gives us salvation? Is it the works that I do? No, it absolutely is not. You can't read the Bible enough to get you saved. You can't pray enough to get you saved. It ain't happening. You are saved by the grace, for we are saved by faith through grace. By grace, through faith in Christ Jesus. We are saved, say it again, by grace, through faith. Our salvation is based, you don't have to talk no more. Our salvation, <laughs> I like y'all though, I like that. Our salvation, <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like how you just blindly follow me. Our salvation is based on our faith, our believing in him. So you can stop believing. You can walk away from that. That's it. It's not a naughty or nice list. It's not, am I, am I good enough or bad enough? It's not that. It's, do I believe in Jesus? Because faith in Jesus produces a life lived. Faith in Jesus, when you truly believe in him, it produces works. It produces this mentality that, that you live by. Right? But instead, the culture has shifted us and tried to mold Jesus into something else. 
There is a day when Jesus will become the righteous judge sitting on the throne. And judgment will be final. But until that day, he is the wonderful counselor. The prince of peace. The savior. The one who come to us. Right now, Jesus is love. And until God unleashes the end times, he will not turn into judge. And so when we think about how culture shifts our mindset, we have a hard time separating him. When in fact, Jesus has absolutely nothing to do with culture. Did you know that? He is unchanging. He never changes. He is the same today, yesterday, tomorrow. He will always be the same. Culture doesn't change Jesus. Culture changes us. And so we have to be careful in the middle of that that we don't change ourselves straight out of who Jesus really is. And so today I wrote down a few things just for you to write, write down and I want you to have it in your heart. I want you to know who Jesus really is by the time we leave today. I'm not going to keep you very long because I know it's the day after Christmas and everyone needs a nap. But I want you to see this. Three reasons. Number one is to deal with sin. That was his, that was his main purpose. His main purpose. First Peter tells us that the shedding of Christ's blood was ordained from the foundations of the earth. God had always planned to produce Jesus as a sacrifice to pay for the sins of people. And if you think about it now, in the way it truly is, because of that blood shed, when God sees us, he doesn't see our sin, he sees that sacrifice. And we literally can come running to the mercy seat. Hebrews tells us, Hebrews chapter 9 says, that we have Christ as the high priest. He literally is there with God arguing our case every time. Every time we fail, he says, no, but I paid for their sin. I paid for that. They are forgiven. He is our high priest. He is the one that is going before us, making the claim that we are saved. If you're not careful, you'll find yourself living a lifestyle that will lead to disbelief, that will leave you turning away from God, that, that will lead you in those directions if you're not careful. But if you will do your best to turn your attention to Him and let your life be led by Him, even when you fall, you can get up and maintain the course. Because we're all going to fall, we're all going to make mistakes, everyone's going to not be perfect. That's why we need Jesus. And that's why we needed him to deal with sin. The Bible is so clear that he dealt with it. Romans, look at Romans chapter 5, 6 through 8. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Will you stop there just a second and say that with me? Christ died for the ungodly. You know what that means? That he died with sinners in mind. He died with those who were not perfect in mind. And a lot of people in a lot of religions, they'll preach, hey, Christ died for you, you need to snap it together, live your life right, put on a suit, put on a tie, look your best, act your best, don't let anyone see you fall, don't let anyone see your shortcomings. And that is culture. That's not Christ. Christ said that 
I came and I died for you, you were ungodly. You were, you were not anywhere close to where you needed to be. It goes on and says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly die. And it says in verse 8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's who Jesus is. He doesn't have that naughty or nice list. He has a list of, of sin that he took his blood and blotted it out. That's his grace. Undeserved favor. That's his mercy. Not giving what is deserved. That's Christ. That's who he is. And we have to receive that. Because that draws, let me tell you what that does. That draws you closer to him when you realize I am a failure. Anybody here feel like a failure? Me? Just me? That's, that. That's good. Oh, we got two, three over here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being truthful. Jim, I knew it. But that's what draws us is when we fail. He says it's okay. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Jesus says, come to me. And so when we think about Jesus, this is how we have to think of him. He is the person. He is the one. He is the answer. That says, I don't want them captive by their sin. I want them free. Number two, write this down. He came to defeat the devil. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3.15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. That's talking about Mary. It's talking about the woman Eve. It was going all the way back. He was, there was prophesying. He says, between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Yes, Jesus died, but Jesus also crushed the head of Satan in the process. You know, I always talk about this. You know, Satan probably thought he had a one-up going on right here because he's not all-knowing. You know, he didn't know what was going on. He just knew that the Son of God was here and that he failed a couple of, that he failed a couple of times tempting him. But now he's up on the cross and he's dying. He's beaten half to death. Satan thought he had him. But oh, what a surprise he got when Jesus rose right out of that tomb. And in that moment, what Satan didn't realize was in that moment, he was defeated. It was over. There is no more battle that has to go on. Jesus paid for it. We have to receive it. We have to live in it. Remember, I talked about last week that Jesus paid for our peace. Like, the punishment of our peace was on him. We have peace because he's paid for peace. We have to change our mindset to walk in peace. Peace ain't a feeling that you're going to have when you have the calming app running in your mind at sleep. Peace is the mindset that you have in the middle of the storm. It's the same thing with this. We are sinners. We are failures. We are people. We're filthy rags. We're undeserving, but Jesus made us deserving. He washed us white as snow. He makes us clean because he wants to. And in the process of that, he defeated the devil, and that is also a done deal. So I, I don't know about y'all, but I am so tired of people getting overrun by the devil. Did you know that if you are in, this, in a battle with the enemy that you're losing, it's because you are allowing yourself to lose to it. 
Jesus paid a mighty price to overcome the devil. So if you are losing to him, you are allowing him. And there has to be some point in your life when you say, devil, no more. I'm not going to allow you to play tricks on my mind no more. No more am I going to let depression overtake my life. No more am I going to allow fear and anxiety and, and doubt and, 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 and anger. I'm not going to allow these things to overcome my life. Devil, I'm not going to allow you to use my family members to attack me. Devil, I'm not going to allow you to use my job people to attack me. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to go in there and slap them. That means I'm changing my mindset, and I'm not going to allow the devil's mind tricks to disrupt my life anymore. I have authority over my mind. Y'all, some of y'all need to read the, the battlefield of the mind every year. Because a lot of us, we lose it. In Genesis, I'm sorry, in Romans 16, 20, it says, and so... While there has never been any question about your honesty in these matters, I couldn't be more proud of you. This is Paul speaking. He says, I want you also to be smart. Making sure every good thing is the real thing. Don't be gullible in regard to the smooth-talking evil. Stay alert like this, and before you know it, the God of peace will come down and Satan will both to come down on Satan with both feet and stomping him into the dirt. Enjoy the best of Jesus. Now, this is the message paraphrase. I put that on there because I like how it just kind of put it in, in Walker County terms. We're going to stomp you. You know? <laughs> Mess with me, boy. We're going to stomp you. Take you out back. Let me read it again. He says, there's never been any question about your honesty in these matters. Couldn't be more proud of you. But this is where Paul says, he says, I want you to be smart. Making sure every good thing is the real thing. You see what I'm saying? We have to be careful not to get lost in culture and who Jesus is. Make sure every good thing is the real thing. Don't be gullible in regard to smooth-talking evil. Stay alert like this. And before you know it, the God of peace will come down on Satan with both feet stomping him into the dirt. Man, if that's how that's going to happen... I want to see that, you know? Colossians 1, 9 through 14 says this. It says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please, and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Listen to this. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves and whom we have, not, not will have, not has had, we have redemption, and the forgiveness of sin. Now we'll go back to 13. He says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of Christ. There is no battle against the devil anymore. So we have to make up our mind that we are not going to keep losing to him. DJ says this, Don't even get in the ring with the devil. Now here's where it gets real serious because some of y'all... 
Some of y'all about to cringe, okay? And that's okay. I like making people cringe. It's kind of my thing. But you cannot dance with the devil two and three days a week and then try to find God the other three or four days. You cannot dance with the devil for two weeks out of a month and the other two weeks you attend church faithfully. It doesn't work like that. That's what the Bible calls lukewarm. There is truth in that. You cannot live a lukewarm life. If you're out living that, that life that just is, you're just drunk and you're just sleeping with everybody, I'm just, I'm just going to lay it all out there because this is the world we live in. You smoke, if you're smoking that ganja, Tracy. She's the only person I'll ever call out except for Grand Grand. And Grand Grand gets mad if I call her out for smoking weed. She tells me to keep that a secret. If you're out there, and it's, it's a numerous amount of things. There's a numerous amount of sin. And, and I, always, I always hesitate on trying to call out sin. The Bible actually says that people who know what's right and don't do it, that's sin. They, there's, there's a numerous amount of sin. And so instead of trying to call out, I, I, I want to be funny, but the fact of the matter is that you cannot live for the devil and live for God. You cannot. And so you've got to figure that out. You've got to figure it out. And culture will, will create this mindset that you can't keep up with Christ. So you give up. Culture will also create this mindset of bad Christians. Anybody ever met a bad Christian? I'm going to be honest. Some of them are here. Mary. Just kidding, girl. I love you, guys. I'm not talking about a bad Christian that like does bad things. I'm talking about a bad Christian that has the wrong mentality of Christ and treats people ugly and judges people and is not kind to people and has an attitude towards people. That's the people I'm talking about. That's the bad Christians. The bad Christians who are not walking in the light and the love of Christ and make other people feel small. You know, I'm talking about the Christians who are suit and ties and, and, and Sunday's best and look down their nose at people. That's the bad Christians. And let me, can I promise you, those are the people that Jesus would absolutely not hang out with. Those are the people who he would look at and say, you are nothing but a bunch of vipers. Get away from me. And, you know, Jesus loves everybody, right? He died for the entire world. He died for sinners. But there are some people, there are some people in the world that he will look at and say, get away from me. He did it before. He's going to do it again. You don't believe me? He said, in the last days, some will come to him and say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, depart from me. I don't know you. Get away from me. But Lord, we did this, and we did this, and we did this, and we did this. I don't know you. What part of that do you not understand? Get away from me. So you got to understand that about Christ is that that is in him, but it's only for the ones who are not walking in that love forgiveness in that mindset of Christ but those who are the opposite you are being fueled by the devil who do that and Christ come to defeat the devil he come to destroy that find that kindness 
Second Chronicles 20, 15 says, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah, in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says, do not be afraid or discouraged of this vast army, for the battle is yours, not God's. And then when you see in Joshua 5, 13, I'm not going to read it, but I'll just put it to you like this. Joshua's about to go into the battle, and before the battle, Jesus shows up. And sword drawn and said, I'm going with you today. The battle's not yours. Jesus has defeated the devil. And so we've got to stop losing to him. If you get anything, you need to get that today. Stop losing to the enemy. Stop allowing him to wreck your mind, your heart, your home, your life. Stop it. Say, devil, I'm not going to let you do that. I am a child of God. And I belong to Jesus. And he has defeated you. There's nothing wrong with saying that. You may think that's crazy, but it ain't. It's not. Jesus told the demons to go several times. He told Satan himself, get behind me. Now, are we believing in the same God? Are we believing in the same Bible? It's, it's awkward to talk about the devil now. Nobody wants to talk about the devil, but he's real. And he's got an agenda. And that's why the Bible tells us to be smart and be looking. That's why the, the Bible tells us that Satan is defeated. By Jesus, so that we can walk in that. And the final thing, and I'll close with this, and I'll get us out of here. No, ma'am. No, thank you. <laughs> the last thing that Jesus done, number one, let's, let's remember, he, he, he came to deal with sin. Number two, he came to defeat the devil. And number three, he came to bring us hope. When I look out across the room, I see a group of people that really need hope. And I've been ministering a long time. I've been ministering in this church since 2005, and that's, that's a long time. And over that time, I've watched people desperately need hope, but want answers. And sometimes those answers aren't there. So we have to hope in the things that we do know. That Jesus, he came to us. Because he loved us. He had a purpose. It wasn't just a vacation. He came to us for us. Because he loved us and God wanted an answer to pay for sin. You may not know this. But back in the Old Testament, the Israelites had it all messed up. All their culture was messed up. Everyone in this room, listen to me. They saw other people with kings. They wanted a king. God could have been their king the whole time. He showed up with them in the temple, in the tabernacle. He was always there. It wasn't enough. They were shifted and manipulated and controlled by culture. So they saw these other people have kings. They wanted a king. That didn't pan out for them very well the first time. It actually didn't pan out for them, well for them at all. How many times did they go into captivity and have to be rescued? And a lot of people don't know this either. They wanted a law. They wanted it. But they couldn't keep it. There was no way they could keep it. There was some odd like 623 of laws. Can anyone in this room name more than five laws of Alabama? No. Don't say the speed limit, because none of y'all follow that one. 
623, they couldn't keep it. And so God said, I got a better answer. I'm sending Jesus, and he's going to pay for it. And it's going to be over. That's the hope that we got to have. We have to hope that what Jesus did was enough for our life. Romans 8, 24 says, for we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not, it's not hope. Sometimes you're not going to have the answers. You're not going to see it. You may not clearly understand it. But we have to hope that what Jesus did is enough. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for it? It's just like this. Have you ever wanted something really, really bad? And, and you wanted it, and you waited a day, and you waited a day, and you waited a day, and you just couldn't get to it. I don't know if I'm the only person like this, but by the time I get it, I really don't want it no more. Have you ever done that? How about, chil- how about children? Children do that a lot. They'll get the newest, brightest, wonderful toy, play with it a week, and then a commercial will come on, and they'll see you know, some other Scuba Steve or something. Extra points if you know what movie that's from. (laughs) Y'all got it. (laughs) And then all of a sudden this toy doesn't matter anymore. They don't want it no more. They want the newest, best thing. And we get caught in that culture. Christ isn't enough for us, so we want bigger and louder. Christ isn't enough for us, so we want better. Christ isn't enough for us, so we want to move to the next biggest thing. And churches go through these phases. You need to listen to me. Churches go through these phases. And, and, and like this, this decade, this church is booming. And then all of a sudden, everybody and everybody's hopes and dreams of that church booming dies and crashes because the next biggest thing happens. And another church will move into town and drain everybody's churches. And they'll all go to this church. But that church, I promise you, is destined to die and drown too. And it will dry, die and drown too. And then everybody will go to this next one. And it's this vicious cycle that I have watched as a child of everybody chasing the next biggest thing instead of chasing Jesus. doesn't matter what building you're in. It doesn't matter how good looking or skinny the preacher is. It just doesn't matter. Well, all that that matters is the word of God. Is it being preached? Are you in a place that's pushing you towards Jesus? He says, for what a man sees for, he doesn't hope. And so this is why God sometimes maintains that mystery so that we have something to pursue. Because we are a people that when we get it, we'll ditch it. Do you understand me? So it's good for us to hope. It's good for us to be driven by Jesus came and he said, and Luke, put that up there, Beach. he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty, to set free them who are bruised, and to say that this is the acceptable, this is the year This is the time of the Lord. This is who Jesus came to be. 
He is our hope. He sets the captive free. He is the wonderful counselor. The everlasting God. The prince of peace. He's the one that we need. Santa's fun and everybody ho, ho, ho. But in the end, be careful that Santa is not blending into Jesus. Because Santa may give you gifts if you're nice and withhold them if you're not. But Jesus came and gave his life. And all those who are looking to him will receive rewards that you could not even imagine. We can walk in the blessing now on this earth. The biggest thing is that we have forgiveness. And we are being set free from the prison that Satan has put us in. So those three things I want you to focus on as we close out the Christmas season and move into a new year. And in a new year, we all need to be making these changes in our life that says, you know what, I I do hope in Christ. And so I want my life to reflect that. I do want to read the Bible more because I want to know more about Him. I do want to pray more. I don't want to just go to Christ with my request. I I want to have dialogue with Him. We've got to make some of these changes, but today I want you to know these three things about Him. And the three things are, are so simple. We put them back up, Beach, so I can show everybody. Number one, to deal with sin. Number two, to defeat the enemy. And number three, to bring us hope. Will you stand with me? Every head bow and eye close, if you will. Lord, today we just thank you for giving your life to us and coming to us and setting us free and caring for us. I ask God that you'll forgive us for getting caught up in culture and, and, and allowing culture to blend maybe what, who you really are to something else. God, I ask that you will draw us closer to you. In the year 2022, God, let it be the best year we have with you yet. Let us see those breakthroughs. Let us see those moments where you show up for us, God, because we are so close to you and we can see it. I know there are some people, keep your head by and eye closed, if you will. There's people in here, you've needed hope. You've been struggling. Your mind has been racing. You feel like you're losing every battle that the enemy throws at you. And today, I'm not going to make you raise your hand or call you out, but today I'm just going to tell you, Jesus loves you. And he's got you covered. Run to him. Run to him. Lord, today I ask that you will cover every mind and heart. Give everyone rest in this room that needs it. And God, I ask that that apathy will be erased and that people will be drawn into your relationship again. Thank you for loving us. And thank you for coming to us. 
In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday, same time. And I hope that you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. God bless you all. We're heaven's found creations, his pride and adoration, treasures woven by his love. His careful hymns, they hold us safe within.